Happy New Year, everybody. Let me just bless you first by saying that may our God of hope fill you with the joy and peace this year, 2018, and find you in favor in his eyes and give you much, much blessings. You know, it's going to be a great year. I just know that. Um, and today is our first very Sunday of 2018. Makes it special too. And today's topic is self-control. What a perfect topic for the beginning of the year. And as we continue with our uh, series on the fruit of spirit, it so happens the last attribute of that nine-four fruit of spirit happened to be set control and it's today is time that we talk about this. Last uh, week or so when we uh, uh, celebrated our Christmas Sunday and that Sunday it was about faithfulness and it was kind of perfect. It wasn't just coincidence. It's a perfect uh, topic to celebrate um, Christmas Sunday on faithfulness. And so it is with the New Year's uh, first Sunday with self-control. Right now, I know many of you are thinking, or if you're not, many of you have already made a resolution. I was talking with a small, uh, uh, Wednesday small group. One of our uh, congregations showed up, and I guess it was working for the uh, uh, fitness center. It says, beginning January 2nd to about middle of March. That's where they get all the revenues for entire year for fitness center. People making resolution, resolution trying to commit uh, to, to, to improve themselves. Just like retail stores, November and December, that's when they make all the revenue for entire year. If you don't make it November and December, they're just going to go broke just like a fitness center. And I saw in the LinkedIn, and one of our church board members just made a New Year's resolution desiring uh, committing to exercise at least three or four times a week and join fitness center. You know what that means? It's more than a physical exercise itself. It means he's going to need lots of stuff control in showing up to the gym. Showing up is the half the battle. So self-control. Who needs self-control? I think we all do and I need self-control in many aspects of my life as well. People tell me that they think that I am the most gentle and kind person. I am. And my wife thought so too, thought so too, before we were married. Often when I go to peek into her small groups once in a while, she talks about, I thought before I got married, my husband, Tim, was the most gentle and kind person. He only knew church, work, and family. And I still do. And that's true. What she's trying to say is that Tim has 
little bit of that temperamental issue, don't we all? Now, one attribute, I try to defend myself, always in front of her, but one of the attributes of a temperamental person is that they like to get things done. And they get pretty, they are basically very result-oriented in their thinking. And if a discussion does not go anywhere, they get to be a bit agitated and impatient. And the negative side of a temperamental person can end up hurting a lot of people through the discussions. And this kind of people also needs to exercise some kind of self-control. And those people who like to drag things also need some form of self-control. Now the essence of the spirit, uh, of the fruit, fruit of spirit that we're talking about. Yes, self-control is one of the last attributes and the fruit of spirits. And we ought to possess them. God command us to possess those qualities that's before you. But the essence of the message is about God himself. It's not about us. The attributes that we're talking about are the qualities that God possesses. The fruits of spirit basically is saying that God is love. God is joy. God is peace. God is patient. God is kind. God is gentle. God is goodness. And God is the one who is in self-control. That's more important for us to acknowledge before we strive to have some sort of self-control or any other attributes that is so stated in this particular Bible verse. The essence of this message, this scripture, is about the importance of grace, which we talked about as we talked about other attributes of the fruit of spirit. That with grace, as we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, we too can rely on God to strengthen us to have all those attributes of the fruit of spirit. So we must accept, we must be convinced of grace. And that we receive grace only through by faith, not by work. We cannot obtain the love, the joy, peace, patience, kind, goodness, and gentleness, and even self-control without works. That's the point the Paul is trying to make. You must convinced that only through faith, solid faith in Christ, that you have grace. And when you have that grace, you will be able to attain all this attributes. So whatever happens, whatever certain challenges we will face in 2018 and beyond, all those events in faith, we must know they're controlled by God. 
so that we can remain in control. God does not want us to waver. God does not want us to forget that very first love when we receive the grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. God does not want us to lose control. Now that you understand the message of grace in this scripture, let's look at the intent in which this book of Colossians was written. The book of Colossians was written by Paul with inspiration from God. So we need to now understand who the Colossians were. Now, most of the stories in the Bible really centered around uh, the people of Middle Eastern ethnic groups, like Jews and Palestines and people of Asia Minor, what is Central or what is Turkey today. And then Bible, here and there, mentions people from uh, countries like Ethiopia, Mediterranean countries like Italy and Greece. That's pretty much the limit of people represented in the Bible. But then who are Galatians? And you'll be surprised. They are not the people of Asia Minor. They are the people who migrated to Galatia, which is that central uh, Turkey today, the central Asia Minor. And the origin can be traced back to the people of Celtics. This is one of the first times God is addressing not the Palestinians, not the Jews, not the Asia Minor, but to what is today the Central European people. Celtics, a large percent of the English-speaking people, as well as many French people, are of Celtic background. They include Scottish, Irish, Welsh, Breton, and Paul was writing to the ancestor of these ethnic groups. What is interesting is that the Celts, yes, they are European, Northern European group. They were first evident in about 700 to 800 before Christ. That's when they were gaining their momentum as a group. And because they were evident, they were progressive, and they were moving into many different regions. The Romans at that time called them Galli, and Greeks called them Keltoi. Both meaning, guess what? Both meaning barbarians. And they peaked their expansion about 300 to 500 years before Christ, and they occupied much of Europe, north of Alps, as you see that on the map. Up the left corner where you have yellowish, um, orange, green color is where they started. That's their origin. And they expanded 
to the, the rest of European countries and moved to the uh, west to England in what is known today as Irish. And then around 280 years before Christ, they migrated towards east to Asia Minor, now known as Central Turkey. That's where they settled. They are Colossians. They're not native of Asia Minor. The history says the Celts at that time were warriors. But they got respected by Greeks and Romans. So because they're warriors, they're good fighters, those people were often hired by Romans and Greeks as mercenary soldiers. And sometimes they are fighting for them, for their cause. Yes, they are known to be barbaric, restless, warlike, and changeable. Wishwashy. So Paul was addressing to these people who ended up in that Galatia, which is that, that little spot on that upper left picture, upper left picture that little tiny, um, the brown uh, spot by the turkey, that's where they settled. So when Paul first visited during his journey, as you know well, preaching the glorious message that salvation is by faith in Christ alone. And many, many were saved and many churches were formed in Galatia. Perhaps because the people of Galatia and now Galatian Christians were known still to be restless and warlike and changeable, perhaps lacking self-control, when Paul came back to that area or left that area, Paul found out that false teachers entered the church and introduced wrong doctrine. They taught that salvation was by faith in Christ, plus, that's not enough, plus keeping the law. Their message was a mixture of Christianity and Judaism, grace and law of Christ and Moses. And they tried to turn the Galatians away from Paul by saying he was not a legit, genuine apostle of the Lord, and therefore his message was not reliable. The false teachers sought to destroy the essence of the message of grace by undermining the confidence in the messenger. And many, many Galatians, Christians, were affected by their evil suggestions, perhaps because lack of self-control. So when Paul returned to that region, he was heartbroken. He was so disappointed. So let's look at 
the Galatians chapter 1, when he is writing this to the Galatians, how he appeals to them, trying to make it once again, you need to get back, get control yourself, guys. This is how he starts off in chapter 1, appealing to Galatians Christians. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing in you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or the angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be servant of Christ. Verse 11. He stresses, he stresses, I want you to know. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, his heart was heavy and, and broken. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by the revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul's desire at that time was to teach them, to stress them, salvation is not conditioned upon observing the law and good words, but the salvation comes from fruit of it. Fruit of what? Fruit of what Christ has done. The fruit of Christ's sacrifice. So Paul is reassuring the Galatians that the overarching message of the fruit of spirit is that of Christ. So therefore, Christ is love. Christ is joy. Christ is peace. He is patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, meek, and Christ is the one who is the giver of self-control to all of us. So remember the scripture when we were talking about in the beginning of this series. The Bible is very clear that it's a fruit of a spirit. Even though there are nine attributes in there, it does not say fruits of the spirit. It's a singular, not plural. Meaning that we cannot pick and choose which one you want to possess or even to improve. When you receive grace through the power of the grace, Holy Spirit, we are to be able to attain all of them equally. 
And that's by faith. That is why we need to grow in faith in Christ. So let's try to understand what self-control really is. With that understanding, the background as to who the Galatians were, what kind of trap they got into, why Paul wants to come away, came back and trying to reassure them and wrote this book, wrote this letter to them in appealing to them to get control of yourself. Last week, David Silk preached on gentleness and explained to you more appropriate terminology is the meekness. And meekness is not simply gentleness. Meekness is about submitting to the Lord. And it is right on. Christ is meek, so described in the Bible. What did Christ do to be able to describe as his meek? He submit to our God, to the cross. Likewise, self-control is not just about refraining from eating too much. Self-control is not about just going to fitness center and exercising. Self-control is not about showing up on time and all that kind of stuff. Self-control, in essence, is about, is about, I think, guys, is about, if meekness is about submitting to the Lord, self-control is about, it's about, Obedience. Let that sink that into your head and then down to your heart. One of the most difficult things for us to do is to obey. It takes tremendous amount of self-control to obey. Think about it. Yes, obedience is important. One of the best ways for us to be found favor in God's eyes is to obey. That's how Moses was able to find favor from God. When he was challenged, when he didn't know what to do, when he didn't know which way to go, he always prayed to God, Father in heaven, if I am found favored in your eyes, then please show me the way. And God showed him the way. And how was he found favored in God's eyes? He obeyed the things that he did not want to do. Moses' life, he never did anything that he wanted to do. After he met Christ, after he met God. As I said in the past, if you do something that you like to do, it's not obedience. You're just doing what you want to do. Oh, it's my God's calling. Yes, perhaps it could be God's calling. But it's not obedience. It's you're doing what you want to do. Obedience requires a sacrifice. That's when God is pleased. 
It takes self-control, tremendous amount of self-control to obey. If we were to sum up the Bible with one word, what would that be? The Bible says, all the laws and all the prophets are summed to this, and that's a phrase. If it's a phrase, you don't have to even think about it. The Bible already summarized it for us. All the laws and prophets are summed up to this phrase, to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we were to summarize entire Bible in one word, what would that be? Well, it could be, uh, not it could be, it is. One word would be Jesus. Some may say, yeah, it's about love because God is love. Because of that, all these things happen. Love, that's uh, correct too. A little more in-depth person would say, it's all about promise. God's promise, that's correct too. But however, the fact that we have a Bible, in order for us to receive promise, in order for us to, to receive Christ's fruit, in order for us to experience God's love, that one word is obedience. You cannot experience God's love without obedience. You cannot, you, we cannot receive God's promises without obedience. Yielding to God is obedience. Yielding means you give up yourself and you follow at a cost. Self-control is about letting God rule over us. Are you letting God to rule over you? Or are we ignoring him doing things that we want to do? Ignoring him. For Christians, self-control is not simply about controlling temperament or resolution concerning exercise or things like that. It is about controlling to resist the temptation to break God's law. Self-control is about controlling to resist the temptation to break God's law. If you're a writer, or if you're the kind of person who likes to type it in your smartphone, try something that you may not have done in the past about obedience. Let's just say you are doing something and someone suggests or a situation occurs where you don't want to do but out of tugging your heart and says to go or to do and you don't want to do and you do. And I want you to write that down. Because God says to write it down. Well, it's my way of saying it. And you do that for about a week or so and watch 
how you may have found favor from God and watch how your life will go smoother for you. That's a promise from God. Psalm, it's all about when you're challenged, when you are in uh, distress, you go to God and say, God, remember all my sacrifices and burn offerings. God says to you, come to me and repeat your sacrifices. It's exactly what he says in Psalm. Yeah, God knows. No, no, no. God knows. But he wants you to repeat it to him. Just like when you submit a resume, you, re, re, you repeat the things that you have done. You write it down. God, I sacrificed. I didn't want to come to church. I normally don't come to church when I feel like this. But this time I decided to go. I'm obeying you. Now, to some people, it's like normal to come to church, no matter how sick you are. The most, a lot of people are like, if I'm sick, I don't feel like it, I don't go. But you obey that time for those people like that and write it down. I didn't feel like going to church, but I did. And write them down. Oh, that particular guy, every time he says something, I'm always going over and like to punch his mouth, but I always do with my just fierce words. I wanted to do that. I usually do that, but I am obeying. I'm controlling myself, and I actually went and going to say something encouraging. You did that. That's a sacrifice. Write it down. And watch how God is going to show the path for you 2018. That's how you make things go well for you. That's how you have a blessed life. Because that's the model of Jesus. He sacrificed. You, we cannot remove sacrificial component of Jesus Christ and only accept, accept blessings. We must do the same. That is his teaching. He showed us. He showed us. Now, he showed us, but that doesn't mean we have to go and die like him because we're not God. Don't try that. But sacrifice our inner self. Self-control is also active effort. What I just described about writing it down, it's active effort. Making effort to resist the normal temptation. Or in case of Galatian Christians to go back to different doctrine. Being lumped wish wash And when you see somebody going through or have gone through a major transformation, don't just think that it's natural for them to stay that way. Now I know every single one of them who became a new creation in Christ, every day they're fighting the battle to resist the temptation of wanting to go back to the way they used to live. Make every effort 
demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, they make every effort, but they do that in faith because when you're born into Christ, because of grace, you earn it by faith alone. They know, and we know, that when we make an effort, God, through grace, will give us those attributes of the fruit of spirit so we can possess those qualities as well. Twenty eighteen is going to be a great year, but we need to fight the battle every single day. Facing temptation is a battle. That's our battle. In first John two sixteen talks about our everyday battle that requires self-control in his grace. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Living for the will of God. What is will of God? Will of God is simply obedience. So where does self-control come in? In the context of fruit of spirit the scripture in the fruit of spirit, it's at the last place for a reason, I believe. Because it applies to all attributes of the fruit of spirit. It applies to us making effort, us making an effort in, say, 2018, us making an effort to, 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 to go deeper in faith, Because it takes self-control to show godly love. It takes self-control to have godly joy. It takes self-control to get along with the people in peace. It takes self-control to be patient with the others. It takes self-control to be kind. It takes self-control to do good. It takes self-control to be faithful. It takes self-control to be gentle and meek. It takes self-control to submit. Our obedience to faith, that which is grace, will help us to continue to bear the fruit of the Spirit in us. Let me read our today's scripture one more time. Colossians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And as this being the last series on this, I want to emphasize the last sentence of this verse. Against such things, there is no law. Meaning that faith alone is the salvation. Paul is stressing to the Galatian Christians. It's not about observing law. It's not about doing good works to achieve that grace or salvation. Which means these ninefold attributes of the fruit of spirit is grace. God's grace is not conditioned on observing the law of faith in Christ who bears all these ninefold attributes of the Holy Spirit. And Paul's message is this. We can try to do everything, try to make effort, but no with faith. The statement that Paul made First 1 Corinthians 13.9 simply states grace is sufficient for us to achieve, for us to attain all these qualities. Let's all go with God as we face 2018. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you. Thank you.